Powered by Righteous Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 16 of the Firefighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. Well, we have uh, a lot to unpack this week. Some more bad news here in the FDNY. We lost firefighter Jesse Gerhard um, to a fire out in Queens. We also lost Lieutenant Robert Cruz, who passed away while off duty. Both of these deaths have been listed as medical episodes, which we'll get to later. But for now, we just want to send our condolences to their families and their friends uh, and everybody in their firehouses. Um, you know, th- this stuff hurts. We also want to send our condolences to the family of retired battalion chief Ed Tierney, who lost his battle with 9-11 illnesses. Ed was a friend of the FDNY hockey team. Uh, he fought a long five-year battle uh, with his illnesses. Um, he was a warrior. And, uh, you know, we feel his loss. And we certainly send out our love to his friends and family also. Frankie's back with another episode of Frankie's Firehouse Feast, so stick around for that. Also, last week was Frankie's birthday, so join me in wishing her a happy 11th birthday. We all love you, and we're proud of you, and we can't wait to see what more deliciousness you bring us this year. Joining me this week, I have retired FDNY Lieutenant Rob Brown to discuss uh, these recent FDNY deaths and the heart health of firefighters in general. Um, I think it's an important conversation to have. And there's some good tips in there, good lessons to be learned. So firefighters out there, please pay attention. I understand that the world is uh, is on edge right now. Um, we are on the precipice of war over in Europe. But with that, the battle here at home continues for firefighters, right? This This year isn't going well. And we need to look out for ourselves and do what's in our own uh, best interest to stay healthy and so we could stay out there uh, serving the public. So with that, let's hear what Rob has to say. Here he is, Rob Brown. We're proud to have a new sponsor for the show, Rocky Boots. Since 1932, Rocky Boots has had a proud legacy building boots for the men and women who serve and protect our country. And in January, Rocky is introducing their fire boots. As with all Rocky boots, these are high quality, comfortable, and built to last. Plus, these boots are NFPA certified. Located in an American small town, Rocky has volunteer firefighters in their company, and their focus is on footwear that's innovative and durable. Rocky is currently looking for firefighters to wear test their boots. If you're interested, reach out through any of Rocky Boots' social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, at Rocky Gear. And be sure to check out the great deals at RockyBoots.com. Rocky Boots, rugged innovation since 1932. Based in small town Nelsonville, Ohio, Rocky continues to be a world leader in premium, quality outdoor work, western, public service, and military footwear, as well as outdoor and work apparel and accessories. We're also proud to announce that Rocky will be offering our listeners a 25% discount. So enter Fire25 at checkout. Rocky Boots, where innovation, quality, and durability are our hallmarks. 
This week, joining us, I have retired FDNY Lieutenant Rob Brown, a friend of mine, um, and he's here to talk to us about what he started doing on the side, quote unquote, um, but something that's very important, uh, something that's pertinent now uh, with everything going on uh, in the fire service. Um, we all know cancer is the number one killer, but heart disease is uh, is right behind it. So let me bring in Rob. Sure. He's going to tell you what he does, and uh, we'll go from there. What's up, Rob? How are you? How's everything, Robbie? All right. Good to be good. with you, man. Yeah. Good to have you. So you just retired. You're joining yes. us from an undisclosed location on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Enjoying your time, so we appreciate it. And um, so you were lieutenant in SOC, right? Um, yes. Yep. I, won't, I won't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but... You know, I like to talk about all the different uh, people we have of, that make up the fire service, right? Because we're all from everywhere, all types of people, sure. all different trades. And you in particular, um, very unique. You were a physician's assistant, um, but you started New York Firefighters Heart and Lung uh, yep. in 2002, so right after 9-11. Uh, so tell yep. us a little bit about that and what you guys do. So uh, the, the Heart and Lung Institute is... Something that I founded right after 9-11, we had um, prior to 9-11 in 2001, we had over uh, seven firefighters that had died from uh, cardiovascular-related deaths, including, I believe, six that were uh, heart attacks. And so that year, we we lost over 350 firefighters um, in uh, the year of 2001. and uh, you know what? What one of the things was is we had young young men, uh, otherwise healthy, um, that may or may not have been seeing a doctor regularly or some sort of healthcare practitioner. Um, and what we asked firefighters to do uh, each and every day uh, when they respond to fires is we expect them to put on a hundred pounds of equipment and operate like professional athletes with little or no. Um, you know, training or warning, uh, zero to 60. Uh, right. And that has a tremendous impact uh, on our overall health, uh, especially the strain that it puts on the cardiovascular system. So whereas somebody that might have a small or a mild or moderate defect in their uh, cardiovascular system, whether it's their heart or their arteries uh, that sits behind a desk uh, or maybe uh, does something that's uh, lightly physical, uh, that might not be detrimental to their health and doing their profession, but when you have uh, moderate uh, blockages in the heart, that may not cause a, a tremendous blockage where you have a heart attack, uh, but where you can rupture up a piece of plaque uh, when you're performing at the highest levels that you need to uh, when you're firefighting. Um, and that so, demands- so is that like, sorry to cut you off, but so like no. that that three a.m. run when you're at rest. Right. And then yep. two minutes, two minutes later, you're hundred pounds, zero to 60, zero to 60 hood up. So obviously your, your heart rate goes up. So does that like create pressure on those arteries where the, and like shoots the plaque off because it, it's like a sudden Correct. burst of pressure. So yeah, exactly. Rob. Okay. Uh, basically what the way that I describe it, everything I do is non-scientific when I talk to firefighters, right, so that's right. the best way to approach it. Uh, not only that, it was the only way I could pass PA school was to equate <laughs> everything back to the fire service. 
so I can remember everything. And right. just to your point there of, of what, what kind of strain is in the cardiovascular system, uh, I, what I do is, is talk about a river, right? And uh, you have a mountain river that's a babbling brook. And it's, you look at it and it's, the water's going down nice and easy. Uh, there's no increased velocity. But you see on the side of the river, it looks like something dug up the side of the river, whether it's some rocks that pulled off or maybe some dirt, some sort of erosion. And then maybe once in a while while you're driving down that river, you see a massive tree that came off the side right. and now is in obstructing the flow of the water. Um, so think of that and now think of what a firefighter does. Like you said, at 3 a.m., uh, we're resting heart rates at 60 beats per minute. We get that beep bop goes off, first through phone alarm, fire, reports of people trapped. Before you even get on that rig, your heartbeat is starting to pound pretty tight. So you know that you're building up this fight or flight uh, sympathetic response. That is what you need in order to have the courage to do the things that we have to do as firefighters, right? Uh, to put our lives, put our family's lives on the line each and every day uh, in order to save other people's lives. But when we do that, um, there's also for every action, there's a reaction. And when you elevate uh, the, the, the sympathetic response to get ready for this battle that we're about to go into, it also has some detrimental side effects or, or um, consequences of it. And one of them is, is that it increases the velocity inside the arteries uh, tremendously um, to those levels of where you'd see uh, you have a tremendous uh, snowstorm uh, and then you see it rains and now you have the snow melt, the rain, and now that river starts to rise and, and the river starts to run faster. And, and what it starts to, the velocity of the water increases. And now some rocks on the side of the river are starting to pull loose. Well, that could be the plaque in your arteries uh, that might only be a 30 or 40% blockage that's there, which has you know, plenty of room for blood to flow around it. Um, but if it rips off and floats down to another area that could be a 30 or 40% blockage, well, that can end up causing a severe blockage, causing decreased blood flow past there, which means that heart muscle is going to die because it's not getting oxygen, it's not getting nutrients, um, and everything it needs to sustain uh, to viable muscle. Uh, and that's when you would suffer a heart attack. So could that be, I would assume that would be cumulative too then, right? So not right. just that one run at 3 a.m., but the 10 you might have that night and every time your heart gets going and calms down, like, is it loosening up the plaque? Maybe like kind of like, it, it can be what, what happens when, you know, what you, what, what you're talking about is, uh, you know, like a, uh, erratic sleep patterns uh, or right. people that might suffer from something similar to like sleep apnea or the equivalent mm -hmm. of sleep apnea. Um, and what that does is it, it acts on the body a little bit differently and it causes stress to the body, which releases cortisol. And cortisol um, helps the body, but it, at high levels or chronic levels can cause inflammation to build up in the body and it attacks weaknesses in the body. So, you know, some people that have very, very stressed out or something's going on in their life, uh, along with maybe suffering from an injury, well, that injury, because it decreased sleep, uh, the increased cortisol, increased inflammation, it's attacking that weakness in the body. Um, and we'll talk about... Um, COVID in a little bit and and my belief on how that kind of wreaks havoc on the body. But inflammation is not our friend. Um, and I think part of what we have to do as firefighters um, and, and the stress that we go under um, 
you know, in its bursts of, of operations, you know, it's not sustained operations for days and days. It's, it's the highest intensity workout that you've ever had in your life uh, for, for 20, 30 minutes. Probably one of the reasons why firefighters uh, that we've seen tend to gravitate towards playing ice hockey. Uh, because ice hockey, you you work real hard for a minute and 20 seconds and you come off, take a break for a minute and 30 seconds well, and well, you go back and do it again. Most of us, it's 30, <laughs> 30 to 40 seconds, but guys like you never come off the ice. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Unless but, it's in the defensive zone. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, uh, so if you guys don't know, Rob and I played together on the FDNY hockey team for a few years there. Um, yep, yep. Rob's good hockey played at Stony Brook University, right? Yep, yep. Uh, alumnus of the of the uh, honorary member of the SIGs uh, for a couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah we, we gave you a robe for a little <laughs> I bit. I got a robe and you yeah. changed my shirt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, good time. Good time. <laughs> but back to the heart, um, what, what about those big firehouse meals? Like, you mm. know, because there, there is a balance, right? Because, you know, as we know, every meal could be your last. And I think sure. some, some, some firefighters eat that way, but, but, but in all seriousness, so it's got to have an effect when you, sure. you're, you're full of ravioli or something and then the tones go off. Yeah. So, so when you, yeah, exactly. So for that purpose, right after the meal, um, you know, 25% of your blood flow can get, uh, um, um, you know, normally that wouldn't go into the gastrointestinal area now is processing this food. So it takes away resources from what you would use to uh, increase the cardiac load on your heart and, and to uh, maybe work on shooting uh, more oxygen and nutrients to the muscles that are working, uh, you know, during that operation. So it's probably not the best thing. Obviously small meals are much better. Um, more of it is, is, is long-term diet and abuse, whether it's uh, big meals, big fatty meals, late meals. Um, you know, they say we're supposed to eat a you know, meal the size of your fist, uh, you know, maybe four or five or six times a day, depending on how active you are. I right. mean, there's a, there's a diet for everybody, right? But uh, ultimately, uh, the things that we put into our body uh, usually don't help, uh, uh, you know, prevent heart disease, they probably uh, would contribute to it more often than not. But I would say that, you know, uh, when I got on the fire department in 1996, and then my father in the 60s before that, you know, everything was a fried food, you had, you know, massive fryers inside every firehouse kitchen. And, right. you know, now we're eating a little bit more salads. I think guys are more aware, um, you know, guys understand, you know, that uh, not only do we need to stay healthy, you know, for you know, to be optimal as a firefighter, but, you know, long-term survivability, uh, you know, uh, you know, my line as a retiree is my job is to stay alive. <laughs> right. I mean, but the average age isn't, isn't that high after you retire, right? The average length of time, it's pretty. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, it, 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 if you calculate in, you know, people that die, you know, while they're in service and, you right. know, probably averages out to not great. Whoops. Oh, we lost it. Hold on one second. Hold on. Yeah, we don't want to lose Sorry. our hair. We need the we need the flowing locks here. There we go. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was getting a phone call. We had a, a two, almost two feet of fresh powder today. So, oh, oh so sorry. A lot of people are jealous of uh, not being here. It's been dry in uh, Lake Tahoe for about a month and a half. So, yeah, everybody's very happy. 
including me. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important. Diet is very important. Guys are aware of it. You know, one of the things that I talk about, you know, dealing with, uh, firefighters is, you know, we, we're a very reactionary people, you know, we're used to dealing with, uh, people's worst days, right. Um, think of the worst possible thing that could happen to you in your life and you don't have an answer to it. You call the fire department and you, and then we show up in a big red truck and, uh, we come in, we assess the situation and we, and we mitigate it to the point where it's not a life threatening situation anymore. And we do that day in and day out. We're programmed to do that. Um, and in order to do that job and put your life on the line and to risk yourself, uh, it, it takes a lot, but it's, it's, it, you know, you have to be sort of invincible, right. You know, yeah. um, you know, cause guys are going to die even if we do everything right. It's just the way it is. Uh, we don't have to look too far, uh, to see, uh, firefighter Gerhard from 134 truck, uh, in Queens, uh, you know, how, how close this could be a 34 year old, otherwise healthy firefighter, um, you know, and, uh, they're still looking for answers to, to why it happened. And, um, I'm, you know, curious to see, you know, what, what was the ultimate cause of, of, of his death. But, um, you know, it, it's one that we see in the news often, you know, the firefighter that goes and operates at a fire for a good extended period of time. And, you know, when we look back at the 2001 era before 9-11, those deaths, a lot of those deaths either happened in the home 24 hours after they finished their shift, uh, much like uh, firefighter Gerhard from Ladder 134 recently. Um, there was another uh, lieutenant that just passed away uh, from, from a heart attack uh, that was covering in Division One. He was originally from Engine 301, um, and, and he passed away uh, just recently from a heart attack. Can you tell us a little bit? Because that, that seems to happen a lot. Like, you know, guys will die a day or two later. You know, mm-hmm. what, why does, like, what, what happens in the body to cause that to happen so much further after the event? And is there anything you could do to prevent it? Well, I, I think the most important thing is when you're operating at a fire is to make sure that you're getting checked out uh, right after it. And right. the department is, you know, in New York City is implementing uh, different programs uh, to, to get guys to get decontaminated quickly. Uh, rehab has gotten slightly better. Um you know, and then at multiple alarms, they have uh, EMTs and paramedics that will uh, monitor their blood oxygen levels and take blood pressures and vitals um, as more of a voluntary and informational gathering thing. But, uh, you know, if, if a guy is jammed up, I think, you know, it's 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 on a, it's a responsibility for each and every guy that's working with each other on that tour uh, to watch out for each other. And, you know, we have a motto in the fire services, leave no man behind. Well, I would say, you know, that doesn't just uh, end on the fire ground. And I think that we have to make sure that after the fire, um, that guys are looking out for each other, um, making sure that if somebody doesn't look right, somebody's telling somebody or saying something either to the officer or the senior firefighter working that tour that, hey, uh, Billy doesn't look right. You know, maybe we should get him checked out or, you know, many departments around the country there's a paramedic on duty every day uh, in New York city. They could just call a bus over to have them do a 12 lead EKG. And if anything, have somebody talk the guy into getting checked out. And that's what it's about is getting checked out. Um, how many guys come in that otherwise feel healthy, come into the office. Um, and, uh, you know, after a second or third visit, you know, we're putting a stent in their heart or, uh, you know, for some of the older retirees we're putting and some active guys will put valves in, 
Um, and these yeah. people otherwise didn't know that they had an issue. Um, so it's, it's great that, uh, you know, especially in the New York area, tri-state area, you have, <laughs> we have plenty of access to care, um, when it comes to this. Uh, and I think it's important for the, the, you know, the viewers that are out of the New York metropolitan area, if they have a small department is to team up with a doctor or a, a PA or a nurse practitioner that might have a family member on the fire department uh, that has an interest in taking care of firefighters health and, and, you know, you know, just starting by seeing one patient and, uh, and, you know, making a difference each and every day. And, and, you know, we, we I started with one patient and I've, I've seen well over 7,500 firefighters in the 20 years, um, individual patients. And, you know, many of them still follow today. Right. And, 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 you guys catch things other than heart disease too, right? I mean, there's a lot Correct. of a lot of skin cancer now um, yep. in the yep. 9/11 community, especially. Um, yep. And I think that that ties into. I did an episode last year about the uh, the PFAS chemicals in bunker gear uh, mm-hmm. causing cancer, um, mm-hmm. which I think ha- also has to have adverse effects on your heart, right? If you have oh yeah DNA yeah. changing chemicals in your body, but but I, I think maybe part of what you were saying is we need to change the stigma about uh, decon and showering. Certainly, correct. After every fire, you should be taking a shower, right? Um, correct. I mean, yep. you can't shower after every run, but keep your hood clean and all that. I, I think that's yeah. Know, swap that's your hood out. Yeah. Swap your hood out, and we need to you know make a push to retrain uh, probies uh, in how they dress uh, for runs. Um, uh, you know, firefighters, you know, we do a lot of emergencies that don't require structural firefighting gear. Right. Um, and when we don't have a structural firefighting run, uh, that gear should, you know, shouldn't be on that firefighter. Who, what, one thing you have to remember is uh, one of the things we find the most besides skin cancer in the office by sending guys out for full body checks is uh, thyroids. And we find a lot of nodules in, in young men. Uh, and this thyroid cancer is predominantly a female disease uh, in the sixth and seventh decade of life. We're, I've found cancer in a 35-year-old firefighter in, of the thyroid, and uh, you know many of them are in their 40s and early 50s uh, that you know require either removal of the thyroid or a partial removal of the thyroid um, in order to you know get rid of it. It's it's a very sure. treatable cancer. It's probably uh, you know, we used to say prostate cancer was the one you needed, you wanted to get. If you had to pick one, this, this probably would be, uh, you know, a slightly easier to deal with if caught early, uh, than, than prostate cancer. So it's, it's, it's finding it, it's monitoring the area, you know, nodules can come and go. Uh, we've had nodules that stay the same for years. And then we have guys that, you know, it grew to the point where it needed a biopsy within nine months of the first time finding it. So, yeah. um, you know, each case is different, but the most important thing is for guys to get screened. And that's one of the tests that we do, you know, when guys come in to get their annual or, you know, young guys come in every three or four years and, you know, it's just to keep an eye on you and to make sure that it gives you the best chance uh, not to have an issue on the fire ground. Um, and, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you're in the system uh, and you have me, you know, like I always say, part of my job when guys come into the office is for, for, for me to, 
um, you know, keep them honest, right? And it's not just, you know, doing a stress test or having an echocardiogram. It's making sure that they're getting their prostate checked, not just with the PSA, but they get the, you know, the finger, the digital rectal exam, uh, that they're getting their colonoscopy and their endoscopy and they're up to date. Um, and that they're just making sure that any of the family history that they have, uh, you know, that they're watching that closely and, and, you know, monitoring it, you know, the best they can. It's like a, you know, consider it a red flag or right. in the fire service, it's smoking the exposure, you know, so well, you have to send a team to check it out. I, I think that's why, uh, I mean, this isn't the right way to put it, but I think that's why you're, you're successful at finding these things is because you get the guys to be honest. Like if you go to the, you know, if you're an active, uh, firefighter you go to the medical office you're not 100 percent honest all the time because correct most most of you just want to go back to work right or you you don't want it to lead to retire whatever so you're not 100 percent honest a lot of times you just want to get out of there like if you, you're right, yearly right. medical you don't want to sit there answering questions all day so i think most importantly uh they don't want to get pulled offline Right. That's right. So like they don't want to, you know, they don't want these guys saying you're not going to be a full duty firefighter. You can't ride the fire truck anymore. And, and I think that's why guys will be a little more honest with my, like me, um, because I'm, I'm not going to do that. And, and, you know, one of the things I always say to guys is if we find something, you know, that's life threatening, we'll work together to, you know, time it right. So that, you know, you know, the number one, that you're safe. And number two, you know, that you don't do anything that could hurt you when it comes to the, the department. So, right. Um, and, and you, you would know. tell them, I mean, I, I, I was told by an outside doctor that it was time to retire. I, I withheld right. that information. I was one of those guys, but yep, yep. he got to me and was like, what are you doing? You know, and, and right. that gave me the, you know, the kick in the ass. I needed to tell them the yeah. truth, I guess. But I, you know, I, I think it's important that, that those guys, cause I know a lot of them, see somebody, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these guys who, I know it's probably harder to get away with now, but would skip their medicals for years, you know, yeah. find a way, you know how it is. But you can find, like, they haven't had a medical in three years that, during the pandemic, right. right? During a pandemic. And and I understand how the fire department has to work, but during a pandemic, right? Since the beginning of this pandemic, I said the number one risk stratification is your age with the says and number two is medical problems. Yeah. So if we're not, if you're, if we're closing down primary care doctors' offices so that healthy people can't get their physicals and blood work, we're 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 making the pandemic worse. Right? So and you're under intense stress, so all those issues are going to be accelerated because correct. of all the trauma we're all going through. Correct. And that and that's one of the things that you know that the public health, in my opinion. You know what? Listen, I'm nobody. Somebody, I put something out there that, you know, there's problem, you know, the, the vaccine is not without risk, right? I didn't say the vaccine is bad and you shouldn't take the vaccine, but I said we, the medical community should be talking about how the vaccine is not without risk and that this is once you knew, which you knew before they even put anything into place, that the, the shot does not stop transmission or from somebody getting the illness itself, right? Because that's mm-hmm. kind of the message that they put out there, even though that's not what the science was, um, to, to get people to get a vaccine, even though many of them did. Um, and, you know, life is about risk. And, you know, we don't know, we know sure. risk 
assessment better than anybody else. Um, and if you want the vaccine, you get the vaccine. Good for you. You want the flu shot, you get the flu shot. You know, and and uh, and someone said, "Oh, what kind of degree do you have that you got better than Dr. Fauci? You know, you know better than him." I said, "Well, ninety-nine percent of my patient population is vaccinated. So does that mean Dr. Fauci's a bad doctor because he's America's doctor and only sixty-one percent of the population is vaccinated? People right. don't want the vaccine, and it's not stopping the spread of this virus. Right. And it's a, if you want the vaccine, you get the vaccine." If you need the vaccine, you get the vaccine. It's, it's you know, but you, it should be an individual conversation with your doctor. Uh, you know, somebody not getting the vaccine is not going to end civilization uh, because they're going to kill everybody. Uh, it, didn't, it only took in December for everybody to see that regardless of vaccination status, you got Omicron, right? Uh, you look, somebody says, well, the, you're six times more likely to get uh COVID-19 if you're unvaccinated still. Um, and I said, well, all right, so my neighbor who's who's, who's unvac- is vaccinated got it twice. So that means my unvaccinated neighbor should have had this thing 12 times, but he didn't get it once yet. Mm-hmm. You know, statistics can be manipulated any way you want. You, you open up the window, you look outside, and you see what's going on. And mm-hmm. if you need the shot, you get the shot. Right. I, you know, I, I that's, think that's what these mandates are terrible. Very, but very, very I, I think what you said is true. It should be a conversation with your doctor. The, the people I, I take issue with are, are the ones who make claims on either side without discussing it with a doctor Correct. or because there are risks to, to every vaccine. And, you know, my family history. So I'm always asking those questions, um, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, I determined that the risk was worth it for me because, you know, you know, the odds. Understood. Yeah. You know, but a random stranger doesn't know that your personal medical history or if you're prone to prone to uh, blood clots or whatever, heart, whatever, all these other issues, inflamed heart, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I think everyone's had uh, those discussions by now. But the reason I wanted you to have you on particularly to talk about this is because of what's happening in the fire service in regards to. Sure. Uh, heart attacks. We were talking before we started. Um, you said there's six now firefighters that have died in the last few months. Um, yeah, I think they talk about six that are, you know, young, unexpected. Uh, one guy was a little older, but this yeah, is just, all FDNY, right? Yeah. Yeah. I so, think a couple of them might have been, two might have been retired okay. and four active guys. It might've been five active total, but I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure of the duty status of one of the guys, but yeah, so it's just, you know, there's a lot of questions and I think, um, you know, and I, I, I get, I've had arguments with physicians and, you know, PAs and, you know, people and, and again, I, and I, and I enjoy the conversations. It's not that I don't, it's just that, you know, my, it, it's again, the vaccine is not without risk and some people are going to have problems. Most of them are going to be very mild uh, most of them are going to be, you know, short term, but there's going to be people that have some sort of long term or triggers. I've had women that come in that, you know, were just about to go into menopause or start menopause and we're dealing with it. And and then, you know, you know, almost had a super surge of, of uh, menopause, uh, the process unfolding right. and everybody's discounting it. And the only thing that she ever had was the vaccine. She didn't feel this way before. And, and they say it's in the, in your head, you know, and, 
And I think that that's wrong for the medical community. You know, one of one of the things of the fire service that we, you know, that killed me when I when I was an officer, uh, young officer, is guys would say, uh, I'd say, what what'd you, what'd you do on that list? Uh, well, you know, uh, I did this, this, and this. And so, well, you know, that's not it's not really what you're supposed to do, right? He goes, well, you know, that's what we do. I was like, whoa, who's we? And the, well, why do you do it? And and that and that to me is. You know, it's not, that's just what you do. And, and I, and many of the conversations that I had with smart people that are much smarter than me, uh, in the healthcare world, uh, just said, just get the vaccine, just get the vaccine. And to me, that means that, that it's almost like a lazy answer. And I, uh, and it makes me like more suspicious of group think, right. What brought down the space shuttle challenger. One guy was saying, listen, it's not been tested under this degree. We've dropped below that. We should start the launch. And they rode that guy and everybody said, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's going to happen. Boom. Okay. All right. We'll go with it. Even though he didn't want to, he went with it. It took off and it blew up. And that part that he was concerned about failed. And group think uh, is a dangerous thing. And, you know, when, uh, when, when that happens on the, on the policy level or political level, it can be a big, big problem. And you're seeing that where 23 states run by Republicans have no mandates and encourage people to get the shots and, and uh, been wide open. And uh, they're, they're doing just as good as the states that, if not better than the states that had, you know, uh, restrictions, uh, you know, stay at home orders, mandates. Uh, the Blasio put in a mandate on December 22nd, vaccine mandate, indoor dining, vaccine uh, mask mandate. At, at midnight, he put it into place. The next day, it was the highest level of positivity rate in New York City history throughout the entire pandemic and didn't go below that level until like the beginning of February. What does that tell you? The science tells you that it doesn't work, right? And the mandates. You got people that are losing their jobs over some both, you know, BS politics, right? This has nothing to do with science. Um, and it, it well, says for uh, me, it's like, I'm not a doctor, but it's been hard for me to, to see any sort of clarity from the beginning. There's been mixed messages right. and don't wear mixed a mask, messages. wear a mask. Uh, Correct. You know, cra- crowds are, are bad if you're from one political party, but they're OK right. if you're from another. Like, I didn't understand. I, I don't right. get it. Uh, New York, New York in the, in the beginning of the pandemic. This is the best. New York had a policy that you didn't have to be quarantined for seven days if you were traveling to a state that touches New York. So if you drove from New York into New Jersey, Pennsylvania, back into New York, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and then back to New York, you didn't have to quarantine. But if you stopped for a lobster roll in Rhode Island, you had to sit in your house for seven days, right? right? Where's the science in that? There's yeah. not, you know, it had they well, made up these rules that guy they're had still dealing with, show. with the hockey game. We, we we you're still seeing it now, but they right. told us that if you lived in the five boroughs to in order to play in the game, you had to be vaccinated or have at least one shot. But if you right. lived in Long Island, you could just play with with no proof of that. So how is right. this about safety? Yeah, yeah. And it has nothing to do with that. It, you know, yeah. I think that was where I I was officially like this is I, that was it for me. It, yeah, it, it it's uh, it, again in the beginning when we didn't know uh, right. you know uh, and we didn't have the information 
it was one thing. Once you started the information, uh, you know, and, the, and they didn't, and they didn't change, they didn't adapt to the information coming in. Uh, it, it was wrong. And, well, that uh, was de Blasio you know, though. So I, I that's why I, t- sure. I, I took all that with a grain of salt. Cause he was always, he was always, you know, twisted it. He was right. He was, he always seemed to be, let's call let Rob, let's call like it is the guy ate pizza with a fork. About it, right. right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and he wears, he wears uh, dress shirts over his basketball jerseys. Uh, uh, classic, right. Uh, I could do a, a whole season on that guy, but, <laughs> but, but, but that's why I figured at least when he left all that nonsense would go away, you know, but it didn't, right. you know, Adams is still holding the same policies for yeah, like Kyrie Irving can't play, but the visiting right. players can play. Like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's all unwinding now and it has to happen slow. They got to right. come up with some sort of numbers that, you know, right. say, no, no, we did it because of this, you know, it's South Park just did an episode on it. So that means it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. They just exactly. did this whole, they covered the whole thing. Oh, uh, it, it without a doubt. It, and again, it, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it, you know, the voice of the people is just not being covered. Right. You know, the, it's not that, it's not that the, uh, the majority is silent. It's that, you know, the media is not covering the majority who is, you know, who's out there telling, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, enough is enough. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and what does the guy do? Doubles down on it. He gets, he hires a tow truck company to come and remove the trucks. And those guys stop there and they become part of the convoy. They don't, they don't tell anybody. <laughs> it, it is, it's stark when you watch an NHL game and you see the empty arenas, yeah. you know, as I'm sitting in Madison Square Garden, you know, yeah, when, yeah you're when making out the guy next to you. Leaking into the hallway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it doesn't it's and what's and the same players. York, nothing. Right. But what's happening in New York to the people in the stands? Nothing. They're fine. They're healthy. Everything's fine. And you know what? A few of them might get sick and then they stay home. So some girl goes, How could you live with yourself if you killed me your grandmother? I go, Well, let me ask you something. If 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 I'm triple vaccinated and I wear two masks and I kill my grandmother am i a bad person i mean if you're sick you stay away from the grandmother mm-hmm. it's it, what do we lose common sense right you know if you're sick you know the the big fear was and how they instilled the fear was that they, they said three to seven days before you're sick you might spread this thing so you didn't know if you could spread it and right. you know then they found out it's more like three days it's just like the common cold it's the same thing you know, it's just, uh, I, but it, I, I also think a lot of people have been using common sense. And, you know, if you knew you were going to yeah. see your, your parents or whatever, you, you stayed home for a week first, right. you got tested. I think people right. are capable of doing that. Most of us and sure. and the people who aren't are never going to do it unless you put them in prison. Like, I, I right. Right. Like well, here, here's a, here's a great, here's a great way to illustrate it. it over the last two plus years, right. Twenty. 26 to 27 months of COVID-19 in New York state under the age of 21, 34 people died of COVID-19 in 28 months, right? 34 people, 12 of them were, were terminally ill with cancer, right? So you have 34 people. So technically 22 and 27 months, right? Died in that same time frame, that same age group population, right? 3,968 people died from all-cause trauma, 
car accidents, overdose, stabbing, shootings, you know, uh, bicycle accidents, that same population. So they were targeting, right, this group to get them vaccinated because, you know, they were going to die if they didn't get vaccinated when they, they only lost 34 kids in two years, right? Uh, when you look at statistics, of, you don't do 34, you do 26, 27, uh, 17 over, over in a year, right, in 12 right. months out of millions of kids in New York state, you know, the, the medical community suffered like the first responder community suffered after nine 11. And what we suffered from was something called post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and many people that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, many uh, individuals, professionals, many organizations, because they're run by individuals, that are suffering from this, and, and many policymakers, because we never saw so much death in such a short period of time with so much fear instilled throughout the population that they became risk averse, and that one death was too many, and how could you try and kill your grandmother when that's not what's happening, right? It was just built upon this fear uh, that everybody was going to die, and, and, and when they were making policies or putting in places to mandate, uh, they wanted to do something, even though probably doing nothing was the right thing and watching it was the right thing. And the same thing happens on the fire ground with the fire department. You go to a fire and there's a fire in the rear of a tenement and you pull up and there's fire blowing out the rear. They got one line stretched out, getting into operation. The truck companies are searching. They go, the second two companies are moving to the floors above. They got in line going to the floor above. And one of the outside vent people or somebody operating at the fire in the front of the building takes the bay window in the front of the building. And, and not just takes the bay window in the front of the building, but takes the bay window in the front of the building and walks into the explosion, right? What, what did that guy do? He just, he just caused that fire to go from the rear, right, contained with one line about to operate to nice heavy smoke pushing out then fire pushing out now we're dealing with the second alarm the second two companies are bailing out of the floors above because they don't have water the fire's wrapping around these people all because somebody wanted to do something for the sake of doing something even though it wasn't done for an objective like so, searching through the window for life or coordinating you know the vent uh with the line pushing towards them to alleviate the heat and smoke so and, and what that, you think is that when you're saying when this first came in February of 2020, right? That's yep. when we first started seeing it here. You you think we shouldn't have had any government reaction or they, or they should have well, done, put think, more thought think, into it? Or like, I'm, no, I'm trying to figure out what was you, the right thing. I think, okay. I think, you know, getting vaccinations for the vulnerable people. I think, I think what they, when when they went for the booster, uh, the FDA advisory, which is an independent advisory panel, I think of 24 medical professionals, most of them are doctors, if not all of them are doctors. Um, and what they did was they came out and said, you know, listen, uh, you know, we know the effectiveness of the shot. Uh, we think the boosters, uh, we see that the booster can help, you know, boost, you know, those that are, you know, their immune system drops their antibodies. Uh, what we're going to do is recommend anybody over the age of 65 with, uh, that has uh, any medical conditions, they get the booster shot. Right. And then the, the government stepped in and said, well, we're going to allow anybody that has a high-risk job, which means you walk out your front door to go to work, that they can get the shot up to 18 years old. So which basically opened it up to the entire population. Right. Um, and that's when politics overtook that 
um, when, when I thought that that was always the right thing. Uh, 94% of all the deaths are over the age of 58. 75% of all the deaths, no matter what age group it was, had four or more chronic medical conditions. So this is, an, this is a, a pandemic, not of the unvaccinated, although there is, there is a spot for that. It's, it's a pandemic of the elderly and the sick and of that age group, the unvaccinated. Um, it's a pandemic. You know, unfortunately, if a 40-year-old guy, you know, drops from COVID-19, you know, uh, it's tragic, it's sad, and it shouldn't happen, but it's not a pandemic, right? Um, you know, just like if uh, a 33-year-old kid uh, gets hit by a car and dies, we don't pull cars off the road. You know, um, if every time a guy went through, you know, in an intersection, we killed somebody, then maybe we'd probably rethink uh, automobile transportation. But, you know, if, it, but when you have population that you can identify when 94% of all the deaths are over a certain age, it's pretty easy to target that group and much more easy to sell it, right? In the fire service, we always say, well, this technology, we got to use it. Back in the 60s when my dad got on, it was the mask. You know, this mask, you can go into this fire and you could breathe this oxygen like you're sitting out in the, in the sunny outside world. And guys said, nah, nah, we don't need that. We're going down there. You know, uh, and, and they used it when there was a basement fire. But so, you know, the, there's the, this buy-in and, and what's the problem with this pandemic and why there's more deaths this year than last year from this, this virus is that we're not getting through to the people that are at high risk that the vaccine actually might help them from dying from the illness. Right. Or for those unvaccinated people that don't want the vaccine, opening up access to the care for in um, uh, in Invermessin and uh, monoclonal antibodies, making this widely available, so that when somebody starts to feel symptoms of it, they go down and get a four-hour treatment, and it's just like they got the vaccine, you know. Okay. And they don't clog up the ER; they have their own little clinic set up. So, you know, there's a lot of other. But I think that's that that's been the the failure from the beginning is to yes to actually convince the people that are high risk need who need it because, because I think it was a bad PR job that, like I said earlier, Correct. they, they just constantly contradicted themselves. They still are. Correct. And, and it's so people who already mistrust the government, right? They always think yep. that there's yep. an ulterior motive behind everything they do. Sure. So when you do it, when you stick it in our faces, it makes it yep. harder. It makes it harder to, to, to listen when they're actually trying to help. But, Without a doubt. <sighs> no, it's uh, it, it, the, you know, the, the most important thing guys can do, you know, is, is just, you know, knowing their risk. You know, I think that's the most important thing. And I think, um, you know, in light of these, uh, you know, uh, six guys passing in recent months, you know, kind of unexplained, uh, I, I think it's, you know, just reiterates the point that, you know, you, the best chance you have uh, to, to not be a statistic in this is, you know, to know your risk. Uh, and, you know, if you decide to be unvaccinated uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, that that to me, that's your choice. Just be smart about it. And if you get sick, you you know, you really you can't you, know, you can't be that invincible fireman uh, because it's going to get you killed. Uh, you got to seek treatment early. You got to get those early treatments uh, that can make a difference. Um, and knowing that you have it and then treating it the right way uh, is what's going to save your life. And, and you know, it's probably just as effective as, as the, uh, the vaccine. Um, but you know, is it, so what's the issue with, are, are, are they not administering it to people? Like what, 
Because I've heard of this for a while now. The, the, the yeah. monoclonal antibodies have been a thing for over a year. Why? Yeah, I probably had uh, I probably had about a half a dozen unvaccinated patients that you know called me up saying they were sick, and some of them I monitored. Some of them, the only places on Long Island that you could get them were at the Catholic medical centers, and so it was like St. Francis, uh, Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. I think St. Catherine. So there were a few places that had these monoclonal pop-ups. They weren't even in the ER. They put up tents in, outside the ER, so it didn't clog up the ER. People came in, they got tested. If they were positive, then they got a four-hour infusion of monoclonal antibodies, which is basically antibodies that are created in a transfusion from uh, somebody that survived COVID-19 right. and developed antibodies, right? So, uh, you know, and the other thing is acknowledging that, you know, natural immunity is a thing and, uh, you know, that uh, people that, you know, did, you know, get the virus and overcome it, they, you know, they shouldn't be subject to some sort of mandate uh, to, you know, if they don't want it, if, and you monitor the antibodies, we're, we're giving you the vaccine to create antibodies to prevent you from getting a virus. So right. if, if the person's immune system worked properly after they got it and they developed antibodies, then they're just as protected, uh, if not more, or, you know, uh, it's probably goes back to their age and their medical conditions on which one of those two people are going to have a bad outcome and which one of those two people are going to have a good outcome. Right. But it's going to take a lot of time in history. We'll have to, you know, we'll, we'll have to show what worked and what didn't, uh, you know, and the politics are going to have to be removed from it because I think that played a huge part in, uh, you know, the, the, the bad messaging. Well, I, I think politics has always played a role in medicine, right? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I man, it's it's tough because I don't think a lot of people can have conversations like this where they actually just listen to people who like most of the things that you're saying are things that I probably would have disagreed with before we started talking, um, mm-hmm. but they make sense, you know. Like I think if more people just spoke to each other like this instead of yelling about right. all, the, all the fringe nonsense that gets everyone fired right. up. Cause I think that's, that's probably part of why they do it. Right. They, they, you, you said before the media is not covering stuff like this because they're all covering this, the shit that gets everyone riled up at each other. And I right. think, right. you know, no one wants to believe, uh, I don't know, sometimes that life just sucks. Right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone wants to blame someone for, you know, if someone died, like, you know, sometimes. I mean, Things happen. Right. right. Like me, me personally, I stayed in my house for the first year, year and a half. You know that I didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I assessed the risk and thought that I probably shouldn't get this fucking virus. Um, sure. But at a certain, but that doesn't mean I expect the rest of the world to stay in their house because, because they might get me sick, you know, like I never right, thought. Right, right. Like, I think that's reasonable if you, you know. Healthy people can't get people sick, right? Healthy people can't right. get people Right, I mean, sick. I... Did, Somebody did, that gets sick, they, you know, and, I, and, and again, we lost that, right? We lost that. It was everybody, everybody could get anybody sick, and that's not the case. The asymptomatic spread, which... Again, I think history will show is a much shorter window is it? than they made it out to be. Yeah. Uh, I think it's about three days. The Omicron okay. was about three, 24 to 36 hours, which is about the norm. And, but I think when it was in the beginning, I think it was a little bit longer. 
you know, viruses, again, the way the viruses work, and again, I'm not an epidemiologist or uh, immunologist or uh, anything from that matter, uh, but what I am is understanding that viruses have been around longer than any other organism. Right. So we create this spike protein and this thing's like gets on there. And the first time it's like, it gets through to it, but it's going, hold on a second. Let me just figure this thing out. Okay. Boom. Next time it sees it, boom. Now 50% of it works, 50 doesn't. And then you're down to 25%. And what we're dealing with now, you know, I think that's just, it just overcame it. And the, the beauty of viruses is that it, its job is to mutate and uh, to become uh, less um, deadly, right? So, right. you know, it wants to just kind of live throughout the world and you to cough a little bit to, and, and land on a napkin that gives it to somebody else. And, uh, you know, besides a sniffle, nobody knows that this organism's living in them. And, and that's, that's where it's trying to get but to. But isn't that what the flu is now, basically? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's a, I, I think it, one of them is a coronavirus. This is coronavirus 2, right? COVID-2. There's a uh-huh. COVID one, which might might be that again. I don't want to, you know, uh, I'm not a hundred percent on that. I don't want to throw that out there. And, uh, you know, You're not a doctor. But... Show, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? I'm just a fireman. Right. You know, I stayed at Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I won't tell you what happened at that Holiday Inn though. I'll save that one uh, for your eulogy. That's- <laughs> I, I was at uh that was in uh Fayetteville, right? Fayetteville, North Carolina. There was an episode of Cops that broke out. Davies kid was on the phone with his wife. He's like, Mom, the cops are here. The, the guy says the guns play uh guns out, the guy jumped off the balcony. Right. That was great. Cl- classic. We we didn't have these fancy cameras back then, so we all oh, this uh, no. No, oh, we would have had that, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> Thank God been... we didn't have it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That pool doesn't look the same. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Oh, man. Um, All right. So before I let you go, what, uh, what, what should guys be doing right now? You know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, um, besides going to their medicals, which I'm assume started already. uh, Right. Shouldn't they be going a little bit further than the it, regular it, population pushing for it now it's being right. pushed for now so shouldn't they yeah, be doing we, a little bit know, more than that we have is osha right now right yes yeah um you know the the, the fire department the, what hopefully what they'll be able to do is you know where there's concerns in new york city they'll be able to authorize some you know uh, testing so that guys can get an echocardiogram or a stress right. echo of their heart um and that'll that'll give guys enough information where you know, many of these things that we're talking about could be picked up on just a simple test like that. Now, I say simple, it's not a simple test, it's a fairly sophisticated test, but simple in the sense that it doesn't cause you to need to be exposed to radiation. Um, it's right. just with an ultrasound and some exercise. And for every active firefighter, you know, we should be able to get above a certain number of METs, meaning how much energy we ex- uh, expend on the test for a bare minimum. So like we, the FDMY has 12.1 METs or above, or above 12 METs allows that firefighter to be considered uh, full duty. So, um, you know, that's one test, getting a baseline for people. You know, one of the things that guys did right before when they were pushed into getting a vaccine, which was smart, is they came in to get a, you know, an echocardiogram, a baseline. Um, they got a stress test, they got a pulmonary test. 
and the blood work just to make sure that if something came up after that they could at least you know look back to see if there was any change from the baseline and what went on um you know many of and many of the side effects from not only COVID-19 but the vaccine are very minimal um and most people do just fine uh with both uh but I think what what the what the what it's going to show when we look back is that you know there was really no need to vaccinate healthy people their immune systems uh you know they they actually boosting people left out is is probably not uh the best thing but uh well again, if it didn't if it didn't stop is, the spread of it i guess you know correct. that i for yep. me if 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 it would have stopped the spread then i think it would have been a i'm i'm with i think i think a lot more people would have gotten it. right and I, and, it, and that was they pushed and then it's just skewing numbers when it came to the kids you know, uh, every time you got on TV, the, uh, you know, the, the board member, uh, Dr. Gottlieb from Pfizer, who's making the shot is saying, you know, they're going, what do you think is going to happen? Well, if we just get these next 20 million people vaccinated, ha, 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 uh, you know, we're going to turn the corner in this. And, right. and every time he said that it didn't happen, uh, and Pfizer, you know, this is just a little something tidbit Pfizer just pulled their emergency application for the under five and under population. Right. And, and one of the things that this board member said when he was asked on national TV about it was, well, when we assessed it, it you know, the risk wasn't necessarily there. And, and, and to push it when we were only going to get theoretically 11 to 17 percent of parents to inoculate those kids, we didn't think it was worth it. Right. So it came down to money. Right? right. I mean, you know, you follow the money and you see it. And I'm not saying that Pfizer didn't, you know, the, the vaccine didn't save people's lives. I'm, I know it did. I'm not against the vaccine. Uh, I just think that the vaccine was oversold uh, and underdelivered. Uh, and I think people were afraid, uh, you know, because it was politics to unwind it the way that it needed to when the science said it. Um, and, and the Republican group did, uh, and the Democrats didn't, and they're starting to unwind it now because the polling's shown that people are pissed off. And that's that's right. and so well, and, I, and it also shows that that members of both parties have made a lot of money throughout this pandemic. Also, oh, without a doubt. So yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I don't really. I end up talking about politics when I don't mean to on the <laughs> show, but it always comes back to there's only one party. People, that's the problem. Right. People don't right. understand that it's not red and blue; it's green. That's all it is. Right. No, no, they, it, it, without a doubt, there's. You know, a lot of people say, follow the money. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, listen, it all starts out. These people that are working at Pfizer, they're, you know, they, they want to make a difference. They want to save right. people's lives. You know what I mean? It's, right. uh, it's, it's, it's when, you know, the numbers, you know, and my feeling is there's certain populations for an emergency authorization. There's certain populations that were ultra low risk for complications and death from this. And they pushed that population to get vaccinated when it wasn't going to help anybody but that individual, but the risk wasn't there to make a difference in well, that population. I think especially since it didn't prevent the spread of the virus the to get back right. to it. I think it... Right. Well, we just went in a circle, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. You're, but you're, you're, but yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, I, uh, I came out publicly in the early, like probably April, May, right before right around April, it must have been. And I said, listen, if we can leave this, go out of this pandemic, 
you know, if this shot's going to stop the spread, you know, we can, you know, and people are afraid, let's, let's lead the, let's lead out. And, and the information kept pouring out in the weeks to come, like that, no, this isn't, never was designed uh, to, to, to give this person a vaccine and not get the virus mm-hmm. and, and, and not stop spread. And, but they kept marching with that same thing. You're going to kill your grandmother. You're going to kill your neighbor. And that's, that's where I took issue with it because they were trying to fear them into it. And that, and they, and they did that. And the woman in New York state admitted that, that, you know, they said, well, you said there was a thousand children that were in the hospital with COVID. And she says, well, we, we, and they, but they weren't, it was 400 kids that were being hospitalized for COVID 600 just happened that one kid broke his finger, but tested positive. Right. One kid was there because his toe hurt and he tested positive, but they did that. And she said, we did that to get parents to seek the protection of the vaccine and well, get what their about, kids vaccinated. And that, that to note, me was, you know, that's. But before I really you go on that note then, but isn't there something to be said about, about the, the severity of the case you get if you're vaccinated? So like, even if it's not going to kill you, like wouldn't somebody who I, just now want to spend three weeks you, being miserable? I can I tell know. you what I've seen. Okay. Right? And what I've seen is that vaccinated people, right, that got COVID before the vaccine was available in, in 2000, March and April of 2020. Okay. Those people that were vaccinated and some of them boosted had the same illness that they had then. They didn't have anything different, you know? So, okay. and again, I'm not saying that it, I'm not saying that it doesn't do that. I'm just saying that anecdotally, there are a lot of cases that it didn't make a difference, right. and and that you you can actually see but that you can't group, and you can't argue with that from the other side well, because how do you know what would correct? You don't know. That's why right. these guys going. If I didn't have the vaccine, I would have died. I mean, I don't know. Well, yes, if you had, if you were suffering from cancer or you were immunocompromised or you had chronic, my, my belief is that the, that the vaccine status was actually number three when the risk stratification and age was number one and medical conditions were number two and the vaccine status is number three. And, and again, you're not seeing that, you know, the numbers, if we've lost a million people or close to a million people now from COVID, I, if when we hit a million, I'd say there's probably a hundred thousand of them were vaccinated that died. Not not that they got a vaccine and died. They just right, they right. were vaccinated and still died. So and and three hundred fifty thousand of those cases happened before we even had a vaccine. So of the six hundred thousand cases, eighteen percent, right? If it's I'm just using raw numbers, one hundred out of six hundred eighteen percent of of the deaths since the vaccines out are vaccinated people and again i don't i don't have that exact number please don't quote me on that i'm just saying it, it there's there was a four-month period that they all stopped listening they all stopped listening like a half hour ago don't worry about it <laughs> as soon as you started <laughs> so but uh i don't know you know it's uh, you know i'm a believer in it i just i think it's for those people that are very high risk or or moderately risk or anybody that wants a peace of mind that's that you know Right. It feels better protected going out in public. Why not? I, I think it, the, the shot is still a, a, a low risk, back, you know, shot. I don't, you know, it's like getting a flu shot, but right. you know, it's uh, it, but there's groups of people that are young and healthy mm-hmm. um, that, that this shot is not making a difference in whether they, uh, you know, they have a bad outcome from this or not. And that that's, again, that's, 
I'm talking low risk. That doesn't mean that somebody in twenties is not going to die from it. Or I'm mm -hmm. talking about, you know, uh, you know, population compromise where many, many people are dying where you have to vaccinate everybody or else we're going to lose that group of people. Um, that, that group of people is the 70, 80, 90 year old population that is sick. You know, that's, you know, this 90 year old they get COVID and they're fine, but they're not sick. They're just 90, you know, but there's, there's a 70 year old that's got, you know, COPD and just got over, uh, you know, uh, about of, uh, of lung cancer, you know, that guy's, I don't want to be that guy. He's, he's a super high risk for, for dying from this, you know, or having a real bad case. Mm. Well, you'll be happy Sorry, to know. On the morbid note. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know. Give give a shout out to my dad who listens every week. But uh, oh, good man. You you Hi, know his Sarah. <laughs> you know his medical history. You'll happy happy to know that he got through COVID recently. Yeah, uh, I hope he doesn't mind me Perfect. saying. I'll have to edit it out. Uh, but he was vaccinated. <laughs> um, but he was in the category. And he's and you know and he's yeah he's you know. He, you know, I always say my parents group, my parents' age, they should get vaccinated. And, right. you know, I'm not anti-vax. When my parents said they were going to Egypt four months ago, I called them up and said, listen, before you go, make sure you got antibodies. If you don't get a booster, you know, right, right around when you could possibly get the booster. And, uh, you know, so there's people that need it. And our parents, you know, that generation, they're the ones that are that are at risk. So that, you know, uh, but, you know, our children are, are at, at, we're at low risk, you know, um, but our children are at ultra low risk. And I just think, you know, we should wait a little more time before we start, you know, subjecting them to something where, you know, we don't have all the data on, on, on the, you know, the long-term vaccine. Um, and not to say that uh, I'm sure it's still going to be very safe, but it's not without complications and people should know what those are. And they should be you know, readily available to the public. So that helps people make the decision on whether they want to sure. you know, get vaccinated or not. So. so. Absolutely. But thanks, man. The sun went down behind you. I watched it. it was yeah. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on. How today tomorrow. Hey, I <laughs> well, I wish I could say enjoy it, but screw you. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just hope that, you know, guys can continue to be safe out there, operate and be smart on the fire ground and also be smart off the fire ground, get checked out. Um, make sure you're taking your medical seriously. Um, if you have a problem, treat it. If you treat it, it's not a problem. It's being managed. Um, it's undiagnosed hypertension. It's undiagnosed heart disease. Uh, that causes complications where guys either get seriously injured or die in the line of duty. Um, and, you know, the most important piece of equipment on the fire ground is the firefighter. Um, everything else uh, can't run by itself. So unless you're working at 100%, uh, you can't operate uh, the equipment at 100%. And uh, that, that could be a, the demise of the entire operation. So, you know, make sure you're checking out the most important piece of equipment on the fire ground. Uh, and make sure you, you're staying smart out there. All right. That's great advice to end on. Thanks, bro. Enjoy your trip. Have a safe flight back. And uh, thanks, see you Robbie. soon. All right. Hey, guys. It's Frankie. And welcome back to Frankie's Firehouse Feast. For today's recipe, 
we're making Geraldine's vodka sauce. First, take one medium chopped onion and saute it in olive oil and butter. When the onions are soft, throw in half a pound of prosciutto. Next, add one large can of crushed tomatoes. Then, add one teaspoon of sugar and add fresh parsley, hot sauce, and salt and pepper to taste. Bring it to a boil and then throw in a half a cup of vodka and make sure your assistant daddy doesn't drink it. Next, cook for half an hour. Then boil the pasta, drain it and add it back to the pot on high flame. Add half a pint of heavy cream and a handful of parmesan cheese. Keep stirring while adding cream and cheese until you like the consistency. Then add the sauce and combine. Manja Thank you, Frankie, for another delicious episode. Great job, as always. Thanks to Rob for coming on. One thing I agree with Rob on is we do need to take the politics out of medicine, although Rob did slip his politics in there uh, quite a few times. But uh, I think his advice is important to hear for firefighters, um, especially when it comes to your heart. Uh, Heart disease is prevalent in my family. My mother died of a heart attack at 42 years old. So it's something that I've been aware of and I've been checking on since I was in my 20s. But I think it's something important that we all need to uh, pay more attention to. You need to eat better. You need to exercise. And and most importantly, you need to get some sleep. Something else Rob brought up, the idea of groupthink is something that I think is important. It reminds me of a story from back when my career first started, uh, when I was in a 108 truck in Williamsburg. I remember I was talking to one of our senior men. Uh, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing the story, but I was talking to him about, we got a new guy and I was saying, uh, you know, we think this about him or or guys are saying this or guys are saying that. And he just stopped me. He said, listen, you know, I, I judge people for myself. I don't, I don't care what we think. You know, I care about what I think and, and, you know, watch out for the, uh, for the we. And it was something, you know, that's not exactly how he said it. I'm paraphrasing, but, but it was something that, that really struck me. And I think it changed my career, you know, to, to think of all the times that, that we, we acted or, or, or treated people a certain way because that's how we treated them. You know, um, I think that's something that goes on too much in the fire service. Uh, so I'm glad that, that Jerry gave me that advice, uh, early on. I think it, it, it helped me. It's something that, that I needed to be reminded of, uh, certainly in my career, but, uh, I'm glad that that we had that conversation. I'm glad that I got to share it with Jerry a, a few years ago in a bar. I ran into him and I told him that story uh, and he seemed to appreciate it. You know, I, I don't think he remembered the conversation, but uh, but I sure did. So, uh, you know, be more like Jerry. Uh, judge people for yourselves. Forget about the we and, and, and just think about what you what you think and, and, and think about how you want to handle situations out there. Um, so that's that. And uh, thank you all for listening. Um, Thanks again to Rocky Boots uh, for your continued support. Be sure to follow me on social media. I'm at Sarah Rob on Twitter. You can follow Frankie now on Twitter. She's at Sarah underscore Frankie. You can follow us on the Instagram at Rowdy Robbie. You can subscribe to the Firefighters Podcast at staylow.us. You can join the squad on Patreon at patreon.com slash the firefighters podcast. Be sure to leave us five stars. Before we wrap things up, I just wanted to give a shout out to my good buddy, Lieutenant Krista Benedetto, 
who made a grab this week up in the Bronx. Uh, if you don't know, a grab is uh, pulling somebody out of a fire. Um, so he he saved a life this week. Uh, he's a good dude. He's a fireman's fireman, and he's definitely the kind of guy you want out there protecting your neighborhood. So uh, good job, buddy. We're proud of you. Uh, also, I think it's important that we continue to ask these questions. Um, we need to figure out what these firefighters have died from, uh, what exactly a medical episode is. Um, you know, it's important that we fi- figure out what's hurting us. Much like, much like the dangers of our bunker gear, we need to find out what exactly these medical episodes are, what's behind them, and what the brothers uh, passed away from. So, take care of yourselves, be well, be safe, and as always. Stay low, my friends. Powered by Righteous Media.